0: Well, good evening once again. Uh, it's that time. It's Christmas Eve, the most wonderful night of the year, right? And hopefully you are all ready. All the gifts have been purchased. All the food's been bought. And, and uh, tomorrow is, is the festival. But there has been a lot of busyness up to this point, right? There's all the things that need to get done I don't know if you heard about the story of uh, a young boy who was uh, intent on getting his family Christmas presents, but he didn't have the money. And so he came up with the idea, I can go around to my neighborhood, knock on doors, and see who might have some odd jobs for me to earn some money. And so that's what he did. He went door to door, and, and uh, at one point he, he saw this house, and there was a really nice car parked on the side. And they thought, maybe they'll let me wash their car. So he knocked on the door and a man came and he explained his situation and, you know, can I do anything for you? And the man said, well, I do have something for you. And, and he, he went into the garage and he brought back a can of red paint and a paintbrush. And he said, I'd like you to paint my porch. And, and the, the, the kid looked quizzically at him for a moment and then thought, well, I'll do anything you want to for a couple bucks. And uh, a man went into his house a couple hours later. Some of you know what's coming. And uh, he, uh boy comes to the door and he said, I'm, I'm all finished. I think you'll be very pleased with my job. He's got red splatter paint all over him. But he said, uh, there's one thing you should be clear about. That's not a Porsche. It's a Mercedes. <laughs> right? I'll be here all night. Yeah. Um, I tell you that not just for a a laugh, but I'm afraid that this time of year, there are a lot of misunderstandings like that. You may have heard the word love. You may have heard the word Christmas. You may have heard the word Jesus, but may have misunderstandings about what, what is trying to be communicated, what it's all about. Tonight, we lit the love candle. And the word love is in all kinds of Christmas songs. But what's it all about? Tonight has something to do with love. Love is at the center of our faith as Christians. But I want to ask you, is love a directive here or a declaration? Is the Christmas story about a directive or a declaration? Kids in the room, do you know what a directive is? It's when somebody tells you to do something like hurry up or we're going to be late to Christmas Eve service, right? Or clean your room or eat your vegetables. All of those are directives. But a declaration is, is different. It's, it's an announcement. It's when they say uh, grandma and grandpa are here or we're going to Disneyland. That's a declaration of something that has happened, something that is, is true, There are so many people who, when they hear about the Christian faith, think it's about directives. That's what Kim was talking about. She had heard and thought religion was all about doing nice things. I saw a graphic not long ago on on the web. And the the heading read, uh, what is the primary teaching of every religion? And so in the first box, it said Buddhism. And it had a quote from their scriptures. Treat not others. In ways that you yourself would find hurtful. The next box: read Hinduism and had a, a teaching from their script, holy readings. Uh, this is the sum of duty: do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. The box of Islam from Muhammad: not one of uh, not one of you truly believes until you wish for others what you wish for yourself. Or Judaism. From the Rabbi Hillel. What is hateful to you do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole Torah. All the rest is commentary. And of course there was a box for Christianity. With this quote from Jesus. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, I want to ask you, uh, what is the implication of this graphic? Is it not that all the religions are basically the same. They all teach love, be kind, be nice. Is, is that what Christian faith all boils down to? Is that the center and the essence of what we're here celebrating tonight? That Jesus came to tell us what everybody else already knows? And probably atheists even would agree many with that. That it's good to love people, to be nice, to be kind. I want to remind us tonight that this is not at the center, the very essence of what our Christian faith is all about. Now kids, hey, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that love is a bad thing. Love is a great thing. When somebody asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says this, to love God with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. And the second is like it, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So love is important. It's, it's the great commandment. But it's not the center, the heartbeat of our Christian faith. Because what lies at the center of our faith, get this, is not a prescription, but a proclamation. Not a directive, do this, but a declaration. Look what God has done. What we're doing here tonight is to cel- is celebrating this declaration of what God has done for us in Jesus. Now, what did the angel say to the shepherds? I know we were in lots of languages up here uh, when we read the scriptures, but remember, the angel came and said to the shepherds, behold, I bring you good advice. No. Behold, I bring you some good ideas. No. Behold, I, I bring you good instructions. No. Behold, said the angel, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the peoples. For today in the city of David has been born to you a savior who is Christ, the Lord. A king has been born to you. To be a Christian is to to hear this story, to understand its implications that the king, the Lord, the ruler of all has come. That God himself entered into our world in the person of Jesus to save us from our sins. That's the good news. A savior has been born. Now, why did God send a savior? One of my favorite authors, probably one of yours too, Tim Keller, pastor who, who passed away this year after many great years of ministry. He was well known for saying this in many different ways. We, you and I, are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. And yet, more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying when we look in the mirror at ourselves, not just see our face, but think about what's inside us too. We realize that we are deeply flawed people, but Keller says, no, we don't even grasp the gravity of how flawed, how wicked we are. And yet, at the very same time, God, who sees all of what is in us, all of our impure motives and, and thoughts and behaviors and, and words, he, he loves us more than we ever dared hope. This is the gospel Christmas reminds us that we need saving and that God showed up, not because of what we do for God, no, rather in spite of what we have done and what we failed to do. Now, why did God do this? Well, because God is love. God is love. Uh, a favorite book I read years ago is uh, a, a book by Mike Yaconelli called "Messy Spirituality." And per, perhaps I love that because my life is kind of messy. But he, in in this book, he, he referenced another book and a story found in it. Uh, Daniel Taylor wrote a book called "Letters to My Children," and, and Daniel Taylor tells a story of uh, when he uh, a story that happened to him in sixth grade. Now, uh, for those of you who are young in this room, maybe you'd be happy that you did not live when he was in sixth grade. Because uh, he remembers this time, and I kind of remember similar stuff, that, that there was a time when they taught dancing in schools. And, and Dan said that when he was in sixth grade, the pattern would be they would have all the boys line up at the back of the class in, uh, in a particular order. And one by one, they'd have to look out at the girls sitting in the classroom and choose their partner. Now, think of how awful that would be to be a girl in that classroom and to think, okay, am I, you know, when, when am I going to get chosen? Who is it going to be? Is it going to be somebody I like or don't like? All that kind of stuff. Well, Dan Taylor uh, said that one girl in his class was always chosen last. Her name was Mary, and she wasn't particularly smart or pretty, but and also because of a, a childhood illness, one of her arms was drawn up and she had a bad leg. And the assistant teacher in Dan's class that year also happened to go to Dan's church. She taught him Sunday school. And, and so one day she pulled Dan aside and she said, Dan, the next time we have dancing, I want you to choose Mary. Dan thought, why would I choose Mary? And, and she saw what was happening in his mind. She says, Dan, you remember we've been talking about the love of God in Jesus Christ for very flawed people like you and I? I want you to choose Mary. And as Dan thought about it, he knew she was right, which didn't make it any easier. And all Dan could hope for was when they did dancing next time, he would be at the end of the line so he could do the right thing. He could choose Mary, and, but no one would think much of it. Well, the next time they had dancing, uh, wouldn't you know, they, they lined up all the boys and they put Dan first. And Dan writes, of his memory of that day. He says, the faces of the girls were turned towards me, some smiling as if to think, choose me. I looked at Mary and saw that she was only half turned to the back of the room. She knew no one would pick her first. And Mr. Jenkins, the teacher said, okay, Dan, choose your partner. And he says, I remember feeling very far away. As I heard my voice say, I choose Mary. Mary. Never has reluctant virtue been so rewarded, he says. I can still see her face undimmed in my memory. She lifted her head and on her face reddened with pleasure and surprise and embarrassment all at once was the most genuine look of delight that I have ever seen before or since. It was so pure that I had to look away because I knew I didn't deserve it. Mary took my arm as we had been instructed and she walked beside me, bad leg and all, just like a princess. Now, I want you to think about that story for a moment from Dan's sixth grade class. And now think about the Christmas story that we've been talking about. Where, where the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, stepped down into our world and chose to draw near to us. Chose to identify With us. The humility it took God. Now here's the question. When God chooses to do that. Coming into our world. And and identifying himself with us. Is he embarrassed by us? Does he draw near reluctantly? As if well I'm God. I guess I should do this. They need saving from their sins after all. Listen closely. God is not embarrassed by you. God did not draw near to us reluctantly. He did it because he is delighted in what he made. And he is crazy, over the top, in love with this world that he made. And he wants to restore it. I was in this room a week ago Friday night for the Trinity Preschool Performance. If you've never been before... Mark it on your calendar next year. It' like the cuteness factor is off the charts. There's dozens of kids up here from two to five years old, and they're singing and clapping and doing their hand motions. And you know, some are turning around and you know, lifting their dress and all oh, the whole bit. It's just so so fun. Uh, I'm standing in the back watching this, remembering when my kids were up here in preschool, and and I'm and I'm just taking the whole thing in. And I realize I'm probably the only one in the room who is taking the whole thing in. Because everyone else in the room is a grandparent, a mom or dad, a brother or sister, an uncle or an aunt. And they've got their eye on that one kid. They got their phone out, videotaping, zoomed in on the one that belongs to them. The one that they love. Do you know that that's how God feels about you? He's crazy in love with you. His love drove him to absurd lengths to share our humanity, our frailty, our sorrows so that he could come and rescue us from our sins, our failings. Now listen, for some of you, I know 2023 has been a hard year. Lots of challenges. And when life is hard... How do we know that God loves us? This is so important because if this year may have been great, but a day is coming when you're going to face some really hard things. And how will you know at that point that you are loved by God? The measure of God's love for you is not whether he's given you good health this year. The measure of God's love for you is not whether you have a job that you like Or you've been able to afford a home in Santa Barbara. Whether you have a romantic partner. Or whether he's given you children or not. No, no, no. The measure of God's love for you is this. That he gave his one and only son. That he might save us from our sins. This is why we light this candle. To remember that... In this dark world, God's light has come. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not and will not overcome it. This is the good news. Now, what a gift. What a gift to receive God's light, to receive God's love. How do you respond to a gift like that? Well... I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet, but I will tell you this. I know what one of the most popular gifts will be given tomorrow morning in your house. Undoubtedly, many people in this room will get the beloved gift card, right? You've purchased it and you're going to get it probably. I don't know if it's to Starbucks or In-N-Out or Blenders or the movies or your favorite restaurant or what, Amazon. But the gift cards are going to be tossed around all over the place tomorrow. Um, I, uh, I read somewhere that, that 20% of all the money spent on Christmas gifts this year will be spent on gift cards. You know, they're easy to buy, fun to get. Um, but did you know that a remarkable number of these gift cards will go unused? That's right, free money. Why would that happen? Well, businesses close, Gift cards may expire, some of them some of them get lost, and some of them just get forgotten. One study I saw this week estimated that Americans collectively have millions of gift cards worth again collectively twenty one billion dollars now again i 'm I'm, I'm not that smart of a guy, but I know this: nobody ever gives a gift card and thinks. Boy, I hope she puts this in her purse and forgets about it for 20 years. <laughs> no one ever gives a gift card and thinks, "Man, you know, I hope this winds up in the glove box and, you know, for the next decade." No. When we give a gift card to somebody we love, we we want them to spend it and enjoy it and know that we love them. Not every gift is received and enjoyed the way it's intended. Tragically, Many treat God's Christmas gift to us, the gift of his one and only son, like an unused gift card. Some hear the proclamation of God's love in Jesus and just kind of shrug their shoulders and keep doing their thing. Some don't understand what the, what the big hubba is about. Some think it's fake news. How do you respond to this if it's true? if this little child truly means that God is with us and for us, if the light of God truly has come into our darkness, well, if that is true, then we will receive the gift. We'll open it and receive it with thanksgiving and worship. I'm not talking about the kind of worship that just happens when you come to church. I'm talking about living our lives for this one who gave his life for us, trusting him. And yes, we will love, not because Jesus came just to tell us you should love, but we will love, as we heard before, because God first loved us. I want to give us a moment. We just have a couple more songs to sing, but you just take a moment and bow your head and quiet. Quiet. And think about this gift that God has, has carefully given to you. It caused him great suffering. And he did it out of love for you. How will you receive this gift? Oh Lord, our God, thank you. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, Son of God, for coming into our world and identifying with us. Thank you, Spirit of God, for for taking the scales from our eyes and enabling us to see and respond to the grace of God. Lord, I pray for any who, who have not understood this message. Maybe there's some people here who came like Kim growing up and they're not sure what, what all this thing is about. And I pray that you'd help them to see clearly, to understand this, this great, great proclamation of your love for us in Christ. And Lord, for the rest of us, will you enable us by your spirit to, to live for you, to walk in the light of God To live a a thankful response of worship all the days of our life. Lord, we love you so much. And we thank you in Jesus' name for the gift of life and love. Amen.